You know, one of the hardest things that I ever have to tell people is that when they start sharing their story with me, I, I make this kind of statement. I'll say, you know what? Uh, God can't bless sin. Don't know that? God can't bless sin. Truth is, what the Bible teaches us is that God punishes sin. Right? Now, people don't want to hear that. Can y'all imagine that? That I would say, you know, if there's sin in your life, if there's some principle or directive of holiness and righteousness that God's pointed out in his word, and we choose to ignore it, you know, we choose to engage in a lifestyle or a, or a practice or a choice or a habit or an attitude or a, any of those things. If we choose those things in our lives in opposition to uh, God's plan, purpose, direction, guidance for us, that's sin. And God can't bless it. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches us God punishes sin. So when people come up and say to me, say, well, you know, I'm just having a rough time. I said, well, let's talk about it. Now, what did I tell y'all one of those key messages of the prophets is? <laughs> I told you so. Remember that? If you go all the way back, remember I read from Deuteronomy 28 where God said, if you obey my covenant, if you keep all my commands, if you do what I'm telling you to, I will bless you. I will bless you in the land. I will multiply you. I will give you harvests, and I will give you all of these things in the land. You just have to obey. And that's what God told them. God explained it to them that way. And then today's passage, y'all, from Jeremiah 32, is an I told you so. So don't get mad at me because I said I told you so. God's the one who said it. Not me. If you want to argue with somebody, argue with God. That's what I, I, folks, people sit down with me in my office or around the table somewhere or something like that, and I say something like that, and they all kind of go, uh, like I've offended them. I'm not the one that offended you in your sin. God did. Why? Because it's our sin that offends God. Okay? Can I just, you know where this is going? Jeremiah 32, I'm going to start in verse 26. Word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Look, I am the Lord. The God over every creature is anything too difficult for me. Man, what a statement right there. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I am about to hand this city over to the Chaldeans, to Babylon's king Nebuchadnezzar, and he will capture it. Chaldeans who are fighting against this city will come and set this city on fire. They will burn it, including the houses where incense has been burned to Baal on their rooftops, <clears throat> and where drink offerings have been poured out to other gods to anger me. From their youth, the Israelites and Judeans have done nothing but what is evil in my sight. They've done nothing but anger me by the work of their hands. This is the Lord's declaration, for this city has caused my wrath and fury from, listen, from the day it was built until now. Man, can I just go ahead and tell you, God's unloading right here through Jeremiah. He says, I will therefore remove it from my presence because of all the evil the Israelites and Judeans have done to anger me. They, their kings, their officials, their priests, their prophets, the men of Judah and the residents of Jerusalem, they have turned their backs to me and not their faces. 
Listen to that sentence. They have turned their backs to me and not their faces. Though I taught them time and time again, they do not listen and receive discipline. They have placed their abhorrent things in the house that bears my name and have defiled it. They have built the high places of Baal in Ben-Hinnom Valley to sacrifice their sons and daughters in the fire to Molech. Something I had not commanded them. I had never entertained the thought that they do this detestable act causing Judah to sin. <laughs> I read this this week. It broke my heart. Let's be honest. When I read those words this week, I thought, and I really started, God used this passage to speak to my heart and said, Bobby, don't let this be you. Don't let sin become this offense before me. That's what God's saying. Verse 36. Now therefore this is what the Lord the God of Israel says to this city about which you said it has been handed over to, the ba to Babylon's king through sword, famine, and plague. Now I sent out in one of the daily devotionals this week the fact that, that Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon came against Jerusalem, came against Judah three times. And the first time they took some of the cities and they hauled off people into captivity and they came again. They took some of the cities and they hauled off more of the people, the best people of, of Israel. They hauled them off to Babylon. And then they finally came against the city of Jerusalem and built siege engines. And actually, uh, in chapter 32, Jeremiah is, is told by God to go and buy a piece of land that his uncle owns but because his uncle wants to get rid of it, guess why his uncle wants to get rid of it? <laughs> because Babylon's in the land. It looks like the land's going to fall. It looks like, you know, we're going to lose all our land anyway, so I want to sell you mine before I lose it, right? Jeremiah's kind of going, why in the world am I going to buy the land? We're about to lose it all, God. I mean, Babylon has come against a siege engine stand outside of Jerusalem. Of course, they're not attacking us right now. But, but, but they're about to take the place. Why in the world would I buy a piece of property at this time? And here you go. I will certainly gather them from all the lands where I've banished them in my anger and fury and intense wrath, and I will return them to this place and make them live in safety. They will be my people, and I will be their God. I will give them integrity of heart and action so that they will fear me always for their good and for the good of their descendants after them. See what God's saying? He's saying, yes, punishment's coming. But I'll return. And I'll return them and their descendants. So Jeremiah, go buy that piece of property. Because your kids are going to live on it. Your grandkids. And I'll bless them. I will make a permanent covenant with them. 
I will never turn away from doing good to them. I will put fear of me in their hearts so they will never again turn away from me. I will take delight in them to do what is good for them. And with all my heart and mind, I will faithfully plant them in this land. For this is what the Lord says. Just as I have brought all this terrible disaster on these people, so am I about to bring on them all the good I am promising them. Pray with me. Father, I, I thank you. Thank you for making this passage very personal to me this week. For not just opening my eyes and mind to study it, but to open my heart to see my own shortcomings and to recognize sin and pride and anger and, and, and all of those things that, that are just abhorrent to you. God, it, it's not okay to laugh about sin. It, it, it's not okay to claim sin is, is fine. And so, God, as we, as we consider this, this, this episode in Jeremiah's life, God, help us to understand how that episode in Jeremiah's life speaks to the, the episodes of our lives. And understand, God, what it is that you have offered to us. But, God, also what it is that you've called us to offer to you. God, I praise you today. It's going to be a great day. I love it. I love the fact that your word teaches us time and time again to run to you. So God, help us to run to you this morning. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I had a professor in seminary. His name was Don Wilton. Last Sunday during worship, I started getting text messages. Don Wilton is the pastor at First Baptist Church, Spartanburg, South Carolina. Anybody know where Spartanburg is? Thank you very much. He's the pastor there. He's been there since 1992. He went there. Uh, I graduated from seminary in 91. And Don went to uh, First Baptist Spartanburg in 92. And uh, I was in Georgia and Maryland and North Carolina, both ends, west and east. And we've been friends all along. Um, Don was probably one of the most popular professors at the seminary. He, he, he was from South Africa, so he had a really cool accent, right? He'd teach class, and uh, he would teach class in this really cool accent, and, and he was a revival preacher. And so he, he was with an organization called the Leonard Sanderson Evangelistic Association, and so he preached all over Louisiana into East Texas and all over Mississippi and Alabama, and he would drive from the seminary, and he'd go preach revivals, and he'd come back and teach class. We didn't have classes on Monday, so he gave him time from Sunday revival stuff to Monday, and then we'd be back in class on Tuesday. And, and anyway, <clears throat> uh because Don traveled a lot, and because Don worked professor and preacher and all these kind of things, uh, in the faculty building, they, they, there were these all the professors' offices. And all the professors had sort of student or student wives' secretaries, right? Well, Don needed a secretary that could travel with him. So he asked the, the HR people at the seminary, could he have a 
male student to be his secretary. Ta-da. I got to be Don's secretary. We got to be great friends. Man, it was great hanging out with him and, and just hearing the, the, the He traveled all over the world preaching and all this kind of stuff. He told the story of sitting in parliament, you know, with, during one of the parliamentary sessions. And the guy, I learned all kind of stuff from Don. He was just an incredible friend and mentor to me and, and, and taught me so much. And quite honestly, a lot of, a lot of the, the, the preaching style that, that God uh, adapted and adopted in me over the years, you know, I learned a lot of that stuff from Don. And so, so being close to Don was really cool. And all the students at the seminary wanted to be close to Don and, and wanted to hang out with Don. And, 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 and we'd leave the office one day and Don would say, come on down to the house. And I'd go hang out with his kids, Rob and Greg and, and, and precious little Shelly Ann because Shelly Ann was born while I was his secretary. And she was actually born on my mama's birthday. But, but, but now all his kids are grown and Rob's a church planting guru, I think, up in Pennsylvania somewhere. And, and Greg is, has been a missionary to Indonesia. And, and Greg's now on faculty at New Orleans Seminary now and Shelly Ann, she's doing ministry somewhere around the world I don't know where and, and Don and his wife Karen have been just tremendous uh, just mentors and friends to me over the years <clears throat> and, and, and he's preached everywhere and he's written a bunch of books and he's got all kinds of anyway, it just I, I looked at that and I was like in the middle of the seminary when everybody wants to be Don's friend I got to be Don's friend as a matter of fact, last Sunday morning while we were in worship, I started getting these texts. Uh, Pastor Don retired today, announced his retirement. And so I texted him. You know, I texted him while we were sitting here. I was like, uh, people are texting me, telling me that you are retiring. I said, I'll be praying for you. Well, just in a little while, he texted me back. He said, and he said, you know, brother, thank you. He said, we're just looking forward to what God's going to do next. And this is what he said. He said, we need to find a reason for me to come see you at the beach. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you do, right? I just enjoyed being in his space, right? Just, just I'd go here and preach. This is one of the things he used to tell. He, he'd stumble over this because every other professor in the seminary had essentially female um, secretaries. And so we'd be at a revival somewhere and Don would get up and preach. He'd go, Thank you for allowing me to be here to speak with you this evening. I'm glad to have my assistant, Bobby, with us tonight. Bobby's been my assistant now for three years at the seminary. We get out of the meeting. I go, Don, I haven't been at the seminary that long. So as a matter of fact, it's not going to take me three years to get through the seminary. You're making me out to be an idiot. Right. But we've just been, we were great friends, right? It was cool to be close to him. I just tell you that story for this reason. God chose a people. He picked Abraham. Because of Abraham, something in Abraham's heart, something in Abraham's mind was seeking God down in earth. And God reached out to Abraham and said, I want you to leave your people and your family, and your place, and go to a place I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation.
Abraham said, okay, we're going. And they get up and they move and they end up, you know, he stops them in, in, in Canaan and in, in this land of, 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 of just this beautiful river valley and all these things and all these blessings and, and God just blesses him and blesses him, but he has no children. And then, and, then, and then God shows up, the Lord shows up at his tent one day and says, you will have a child. And Sarah laughs and, and, and yet at 90 and 100, God gives them a child and out of that child they have, they have uh, descendants and, and then Jacob ends up having 12 kids and and then and then they go into as a as a as a family they go into Egypt and God loves them through that captivity and then he brings them out and he 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 develops them here's the thing that that dawned on me in the midst of this walk through the bible okay i'll give you the introduction in a minute i'm just not there yet god shaped them as a nation through worship He gave them the instruction of the tabernacle. Tents and rings and poles and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and that this, this holy of holy section. And, and, and he shaped who they were based on his presence with them. Okay? That, that became their identity. We are God's people. And then... When he tells them, go take the land, and they go, we can't because there are giants there. And he says, because you didn't believe my word, you're going to wander now for these 40 years. And he continues to shape them and, and to work them as a people so that when they enter the land, he uses the time. God redeems these things, takes them into the land as a people, as a nation. One of the lines in this passage that I read to you, it said, this city has caused my wrath and fury from the day it was built until now. Because all the love that God poured out on these people, they turned instead to the people and the gods around them. Right? They began to worship the gods of the Canaanites. They began to worship the corruption of the people in the land instead of doing what God had called them to. We're, here's the instruction. You ready? God said it. We're dealing with what God has said, what God has spoken into time. We're reading the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, from January to December. Right now, we're still in prophets, prophet Jeremiah. We're going to end up in Lamentations. We're going to end up in Ezekiel. You're going to get the, the judgment and comfort message as we go through the prophets. Remember, two messages of the prophets, judgment, comfort, and in all of it, God says, I told you so. All right? So we're working our way through God's word. And, 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 and the point of this is, is that, yes, there is punishment for sin. God punishes sin. See that? That's something that, that, that we like to deny. That's something that people from all the way back into this time wouldn't accept the fact that God said, if you sin, there's punishment coming. Tell my, I told y'all, I remember my last spanking by my dad. He said, if you don't stop that, when we get home, you're going to get a spanking. Guess what? We didn't stop. <laughs> 
We got home, God is spanking. He promised. I got to hang out with mom and dad for two days. Went up there and I, I worked in, in their yard, chopping bushes and briars. And whew. I was just hanging out with mom and dad. I was where they were, right? It's five and a half hours away. So I drove up there on Tuesday afternoon. I was there Wednesday, most of Thursday, drove back home Thursday night. I got to hang out with my mom and dad. Dad turned 84 last Sunday. Mom turned 70. If he's 84, she's 79. Yes, it's math. Um, I went 79 in July. Just to be able to hang out with them, eat meals with them, you know, hang out at the house there. Realize that, guess what? 60 years ago, right now, 60 years ago, they were already loving me before I was born. And then when I was born, they loved me. And they raised me up and they taught me. And they poured themselves into me. And they taught me about Jesus. And they taught me about faith. And they taught me what it meant to be a man of faith. And they taught me what it meant to be obedient to the word of God. And, and, and they had me in worship settings. They had me in Sunday school. You know, Sunday school on Sunday mornings. And, and, and they had me in RAs, Royal Ambassadors. And, and even before that, they had me in the Sunbeams. I've mentioned that before. Some really old-time Baptists know what that is. Uh, you know, I was in the Sunbeams. And, and Mom and Dad, why did they make me go to church? Because it was the thing to do? Because it's obligatory? Because it's what you do on Sunday? No, they brought me to church because they loved me and they wanted me to know God. They loved me that much. So that as I grew up and as I grew older and, and as I became more acquainted and better acquainted with God, my heavenly Father, Jesus, my Lord and Savior, with the Spirit of God who fills us and works in us and convicts us and guides us and refines us and changes us, and, and, and it became a relationship that, that they poured into me, Mom and Dad, poured into me that I would know God. And this week when I'm reading in Jeremiah 32, and God reminded me, don't turn your back on me. Listen to this. They have turned their backs to me and not their faces. When we choose sin, we're just saying, God, not right now. I don't want to be near you right now, God. I, I, I don't want your influence in me and over me right now, God. I want to go do what I want to do. I want to go do what pleases me. I, I want to go do what whatever society and culture says my identity is. I don't care what your word says, God. I, 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 and listen, oh, this gets more serious. What time is it? Okay. If 
they will burn it. Talking about the Chaldeans will burn Jerusalem. They will burn it, including the houses where incense has been burned to Baal on their rooftops and where drink offerings have been poured out to other gods to anger me. They have placed their abhorrent, this is verse 34, they have placed their abhorrent things in the house that bears my name and have defiled. They began worshiping Baal and Ashtaroth inside the temple. They set up altars in the valley of Ben-Hinnom to sacrifice their own, bodily sacrifice their children to the idolatry of Molech. And, and God even makes this statement, which is just, God says, you know, I had never entertained the thought that they would do this detestable thing causing Judah to sin. Now, God knows everything. God knows that man's heart is corrupt. But never did God even suggest to them that this is how you worship. Folks, can I tell you something? We live in a time when sin is rampant. And people are saying that, that, that there are things we can do and ways we can act and, and identities we can be that are absolutely abhorrent to God. And, and we're, we're let... I was a youth pastor for 14 years. And, and it just made my skin crawl to hear parents go, well, we're letting our children decide what they're going to believe. Are you no longer mom and dad? Do you no longer love your kids enough to teach them about God and about God's love? Do you not love them enough to show them what it looks like to follow God? Point two. I will certainly gather them from all the lands where I've banished them in my anger, fury, and wrath. I will return them to this place and make them live in safety. God redeems, y'all. God loves you so much that he redeems you to pick you up from the sin, from the, the junk of this world. To, 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 to lay on you a righteousness that you can't earn, you can't accomplish it on your own, to give you a salvation that was only accomplished by the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. There's no other way to God except through Jesus. I don't care what the world tells you. And then I love verse 41, because here's where we are today. In Christ, if you're a Christian, if you know Jesus, you know, if God's given you that redemption and salvation, and, 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 and in that you are pursuing God and, and His will for your life, not your own will, not, not your dreams, God's desire for who you are, verse 41 says, I will take delight in them to do what is good for them. And with all my heart and mind, I will faithfully plant them in this land. Wow. 
in this land. See, that, that, he's speaking of an immediate future fulfillment. But through the promise of the covenant, he's talking about the future fulfillment. Now, when I was in, in, in high school, we sang in a little quartet group. So there was eight of us. We couldn't count. And we sang this song, beautiful harmony. I was a high tenor, so my voice was really high back then. We sang this song, Beulah land, I am longing for you. I remember that. You know, the land where God is. Guess what? That's this land. You either choose to hang out with him or not. See, I want to bring Don Wilton down here to meet y'all. I do. He's a, I don't know if I can say this about a South African or not, but he's a hoot. Right? I love hanging out with him because he loves the Lord. And he preaches the Lord. He preaches the word, and he had such an impact on who I am today. And I just loved hanging out with him. And there were people who wanted to hang out with him, and I'm sitting on his couch playing with his kids and babysitting his kids so he and Karen can go out to dinner. But more than that, I just want to be near God. I just want to be in his presence. I don't want the corruption of this world to, to, to get in the way of me being in Beulah land with God, just hanging out with God every day, all day. People will try to distract you from that. Satan wants to, to, to draw you away from that. You know, the great sin and deception of Satan is just selfishness. I want what I want when I want it. Be careful. Don't let the distractions of this world draw you away. For sin, there is punishment. However, God redeems and restores. And we are God's delight. Don't turn your back to him. Run toward him. Run to him. Pray with me. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for such an intense love for us. People love to focus on your love. People want to ignore the justice. People want to ignore the the punishment that your word teaches. God, when we feel estranged, it's because we have allowed our sin to estrange us. God, draw us in. Draw us close. Help us to walk near. God, help us to want you more than we want anything else. God, I thank you for everybody here this morning. I I thank you for, for, honestly, for folks I hadn't seen in 13 years. Thank you, God, that we gather this morning not 
just to sit in a building and sing songs and listen to the Bible. We sit in this building that we might worship you, that we might declare your worth in our lives. God, help us to run to you, that we might know you. God, that we might enjoy being your delight. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.